I decided that life is too short. I'm going to enjoy the rest of it by doing what I want to do. And uh, this doesn't infringe on anybody or that. And to tell you the truth, I've gotten more positive feedback from my tattoos than I have negative. So I think people are accepting it more obviously. That was retired Muni driver Gary Weinstein. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we bring you bartenders, photographers, journalists, and other San Franciscans talking about living, working, and doing their thing here. It's a way to get to know your neighbors. Welcome to episode 49, part two, the last podcast of Storied San Francisco, season one. Looking back over the last year, we've climbed Sutro Tower, gone on rides with medical examiners, been to drag shows, opened businesses, seen bands play at clubs that no longer exist, gotten to know homeless individuals, and held the hands of friends who were dying from AIDS. It's been quite a journey, and to celebrate the end of season one and the launch of season two, we're hosting an event next month called Two Storied Nights. It will be two days of art, spoken word, and music, celebrating expression and community in San Francisco. The dates are November 9th and 10th, and advanced tickets are now available at Eventbrite. We're going to take a short break from producing new episodes, but over the next month or so, we'll be releasing some of our favorites from Season 1. That includes a fair number of episodes from the artists and musicians who will be part of Two Story Nights. Be on the lookout for those in case you missed any of them and Season 2 will kick off on November 13th. As we learned in Part 1, Gary moved to San Francisco in 1971 and started driving Muni buses right away. In this podcast, Gary shares some of the more juicy stories from his time in the driver's seat. He ends the podcast with the story behind why he started covering his body in tattoos. Here's Gary. Most of the drivers are pretty... uh straight up come to work do the job and leave there's not a lot of hustling or deceiving anymore mm-hmm. at, le- at least when in the the end when i uh, was finishing mm-hmm. i don't know how it is now but it's a pretty straight job you got to be there you got to do it there's not a lot of time to fool around or mess around some of the things that i've said whether it's sex on wheels or smoking pot i don't think that's being done very much anymore yeah it doesn't probably i think the consequences are too great when i was driving the the 18 the last 10 years i liked this line it was a, a community line people would come from downtown it started at 19th and uh near at stonestown Went around Stonestown, out to 46th near the zoo, right turn, all the way down 46th to Lincoln. And in that area were all kinds of students, young people working, uh, college students, and working people, working class people, all going and coming from their job. So late at night, Mostly kids would ride. They didn't want to pay. They wanted to hassle people. 
unless you were cool. <laughs> and many, so they used to come on the bus with their boom boxes and their pot and their booze. <laughs> and I tell them, go in the back, turn it up if you want to hear it. And we're going up to the Legion of Honor. And once. Once we get up there, I got 10 minutes, so do what you want to do, and I'll give you a beep when you're ready to go. So these kids, oh, man, they used to smoke pot, ride their skateboard, drink. It was really fun to watch yeah. because police would pick them up for just hanging on the corners, and that's one thing. I felt they were more protected on the bus and they weren't getting in trouble hurting other people also doing this. Yep. And every once in a while, I might take a hit on a joint while I was up there. Totally not right, but I, I, it was still safe, and they loved it. Yeah. They thought it was cool that the bus driver was smoking pot. And then they got married. Uh <laughs> It happens. That's another story. Now I'm divorced, and let me just say this. You better know your partner before you're married. <laughs> Gay, straight, lesbian, doesn't make a difference. You better know your partner. One of the uh, best overtimes with Muni was driving the Giants games or driving the 49ers games. Mm -hmm. It had to be your day off. So you're getting paid time and a half, and you got to go in the games and see the games. Oh, I didn't know that. And they had sections put aside for bus drivers for Golden Gate, uh, Sam Trans, and Muni, where we all could sit. So every week, you'd see this, some similar guys and became friends with bus drivers from other uh, companies. Mm -hmm. And people used to, if they'd, so if you get out to the, the park, being a high seniority guy, um, there there was like 10 of us. And once we got to like, say, Candlestick, we'd say, who's got the last bus up on the top of the hill, which was a long way away and many buses from being the first to leave. And we'd say... Who's got the last bus? And whoever said, oh, that's ours. We'd all go up on the bus, smoke pot. <laughs> we each brought a joint with us. And and then we'd go in and watch a game. Three hours later, we'd come down, and there you go. Took you home. There you go. Safe trip. And that was during the Montana years, so I saw some great games. And they used to tell us, at the end of the third quarter, come out to the bus so you could prepare to uh, leave. But if it was a close game, nobody would go out. But if a game was out of hand, we'd go out and prepare to go. And you'd want to be the first to leave because once you left, every once in a while they'd say, if you're done with your trip, come on back to the park. There's more people. But we didn't like to go back for a second trip. So we uh, kind of wanted to finish first and yeah. then go back to the 
yard and just drop the bus off. So another part of uh, a job was turning in your bus at the end of uh, your your time. And I at um, Kirkland, you'd pull your bus in. Kirkland is down by Pier 39. It was a motor coach bus. So it in the cash boxes, there was a hole, and they'd lift this lid and stick a, like a vacuum into this, into your money box, and it would suck the money from the box into wherever it went, just into the sink. And you, being the driver, you were the only one sitting there just looking at it, but you couldn't see what was happening to the uh, the vacuum that was sucking the money. <laughs> and one time they caught a whole family of people that were ste- put a hole in the vacuum and and as the quarters were coming out they were putting it somewhere else they eventually went to their house and found like $10,000 worth of quarters oh and God. found out these people were going to uh either Tahoe or somewhere Reno gambling with all the money that they'd want trying to make even more <laughs> terrible it was terrible wow. i don't think that happens anymore so this is very interesting i went to work for the post office in 2004 and uh worked for a very short time and screwed up my back so bad that i went through therapy uh a session of shots in my back steroid to get it better and eventually a surgery with four four screws two titanium rods put in my back down by my uh five to seven uh, vertebrae vertebrae right thank you and uh it was an unsuccessful surgery, and I almost passed away. Within a, a week, they had to reoperate to fix the problem, which, thank God, they did. But when I came out of it, I started getting tattooed, and uh, I liked the results. What was Sorry, what was the thought process behind that? Or, or, like, or, or emotions? I, if, I, I like know. art. And I've always, my dad was kind of an artist, and I've been a photographer, kind of. So, and I drew. So I was like, I liked the way tattoo art was looking. This is 2006. So it's, I'd say it's pretty recent for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, there was no special reason I did it. I just liked the, how tattoos looked on me after and i decided that this is what i was going to do and now i'm tattooed from head to toe you might see some in the pictures that were just taken yes yes you will yeah they uh 
my friend I told you about who does tattoos, I know that they call things like hands and face, and they call it public skin. And what, hmm. so there's there's tattoos, and a lot of people get tattoos that are, you know, cover, you cover it up if you need to. What was the thought process, or, or how, how did you decide, I'm going to get tattoos all over my face and hands and stuff? I, uh, I think you're going to laugh out there. Well, maybe you won't laugh, but Lil Wayne really inspired me. And the rap tattoo is really, when I looked at him, here's black men with tattoos that were visual and colorful and still showed up well. So, well, I've recently done a bunch of lines because I uh, like architectural lines, vertical, horizontal, and I had above my eyelids on... Over my right eyelid, I had praise, and I had God put on my left eyelid. So when I pass and they put my eyelids down, it says, praise God. <laughs> and hopefully you'll put me in the right place then. <laughs> and uh, sunglasses above your eyebrow. I just love sunglasses. And so I had a pair of sunglasses tattooed over my eye. And I've had family, my daughter's name, stars put on. When I first really, well, when I got to know you a little bit better, I thought maybe the, the cheeks were the city map or like the Muni map. Uh-huh. Was that, is that no, not, not no, what it is? No, no, no. It's just more of architectural lines. Yeah. Can you see how I would think that? Yeah. Though? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's got like diagonal right, and then the right. like market street. Yeah, I should put thing. some stops in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you get a Muni tattoo, hypothetically? I have a Muni you tattoo. You have a Muni tattoo. What? I have a bus tattooed on nice. me, on my chest. Nice. And with my uh, bus number, what, what my uh, my driver's number was, was mm -hmm. 1119. Mm -hmm. Awesome. My son's birthday and my birthday. His was the 11th, mine was the 19th. So I always felt that was kind of lucky. Check back throughout October to go through the archives with us of some of our favorite episodes from Season 1. Music for this podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. If you're not already, please follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our website, storiedsf.com, has all the episodes, plus a store where you can help support the podcast by buying some of our merch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and rate and review the show. It really helps. Send comments and suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. And lastly, don't forget to get your advanced tickets to Two Storied Nights over on Eventbrite. Thanks for listening to this podcast and to everything we've done in Season 1. <laughs>